We'd like to uh, welcome everybody. We're glad that you could be here to celebrate with us, uh, Pastor and Sharon, Lord, and Pastor and Sharon, and the Lord's work that they've done here for uh, over 38 years, and uh, the way they've served not only our church but the uh, Orangeville Orangeville community. So uh, we're just thankful for them and glad we can celebrate this time. Uh, just a couple things that you might be interested in. If you need the restrooms, they're right through the door, uh, just to the right. Feel free to uh, use those. Uh, there's coffee right over there by the doors if you'd like some coffee. And there's also some water uh, right up here in the Yeti coolers by the doors also. And uh, if you... Feel free to turn your chairs so that you can see better during this time. You don't have to uh, sit with your backs to everything if you don't want to. And uh, we'll start off uh, with uh, Frank Bordeaux. We'll be doing an opening prayer for us. And then we'll follow up with uh, special music from David Stout. Well, good morning. Um, Psalm 92.1 says it's good to give thanks to the Lord. So that's what we're going to do right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can celebrate Pastor Dan and Sharon's 38 years of faithful ministry here at Orangeville. We also thank you for your gifts to us when you sent them to us at the exact right time that we needed them, and they did not disappoint us. They both served our church and community very well and were a blessing to each one. And Lord, I just pray that you would, um, everything done here today would be to your honor and glory, and uh, we lift you up today in Jesus' name, amen. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road. And those who've gone before us line the way. Cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary. Their lives are serving testament to God's sustaining Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us lead to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on to godly Thank you. 
At this time, uh, Rory and Christy Moore are going to come and uh, speak. Rory and Christy are uh, missionaries from Togo, and uh, we just appreciate them so much. So, um, And then when they are done speaking, uh, we will uh, have a congregational song. Good morning. I am truly honored that uh, Renee Kirkrow asked me to share on behalf of the ladies here at the church about the blessing that Sharon has been to all of us. Um, just as Pastor Dan has faithfully served the Lord as shepherd over this body of believers, uh, Sharon has just as faithfully served and stood by his side every step of the way. Uh, Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is good, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God saw fit, as this passage states, to create a partner for Adam, and that partner was Eve. I have no doubt that just as God created Eve to be Adam's helpmate, um, so he also brought Pastor Dan and Sharon together all those years ago at Cedarville University, uh, so that she could be his helpmate in ministry. Um, as a pastor's wife, she has filled that role well, and we have all been blessed as a result. Proverbs 31, 10 through 12 says, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm, all the days of her life. I believe that Pastor Dan would agree that Sharon has filled this role in his life over these 30, last 38 plus years of ministry, and I have no doubt that she will continue in that in the future. 
Besides being a blessing to her husband all these years, Sharon has also been a blessing to many of us ladies here today. Over the last 38 plus years, she has helped watch many of our children in the nursery, taught children in Sunday school, ladies Sunday school, ladies Bible study, taught lessons for Word of Life Club, was an Olympian leader for the girls. She's helped with showers, parties, uh, weddings, funerals. She's played piano and organ for worship, uh, encouraged others through visitation, and to this day she counsels numerous hurting women with the Word of God on a weekly basis. I am sure that there are many other things um, in other ways that she has served the Lord here at Orangeville that I could have added to that list. Uh, but to be honest, I'm not sure that Sharon would um, want me to list them all because she is just as humble as she is a servant of the Lord. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I've, if I've seen anyone mirror this particular passage, that's Sharon. Uh, she's not perfect, but her selflessness and humility are just two of her numerous godly traits that make me admire and respect her. I first met Sharon back in the fall of 2001 when our first fam, uh, family first started attending here for Wednesday nights there with their Olympian Kids Club. Uh, it didn't take long, and Sharon was reaching out to me, just like she does with every other lady that has ever walked through these doors over the last 38 and a half years. Um, the Lord used Sharon in my life uh, to help pull me out of my shell. Uh, she encouraged me to face fear with a biblical mindset. If there's one thing I can count on from Sharon, it's that she shoots straight with me and she doesn't hold back, and I love that about her. Uh, my own walk with the Lord has improved because she's held my feet to the fire. Philippians 1.3 says, I thank my God upon my every remembrance of you. I can honestly say that I thank God for Sharon and the impact that she's made in my own life. I know that the ladies of this church would want Sharon to know how much they all love her and appreciate her and how she has helped them in their walk with the Lord as well. I cannot count over the years the number of times that Sharon has encouraged me by handing me a little three by five card like this one right here. And sometimes they came in the form of a stack and I needed it. Um, my guess is that she's handed many of those cards out over the years to many of you here today. But if you have received any of those cards, you know that scripture is written on them front and back. And I have saved many of those cards over the years um, and matter of fact, uh, where my husband and I serve in Togo, West Africa, if you come to our house, you will find them all over, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, in our bedroom. Um, the truth is that I need to read them over and over again. They're words that encourage me, convict me, challenge me, and they strengthen me because they're words of truth from our Lord. I can say that Sharon has never just been my pastor's wife. I told her this earlier. She has always been and always be one of my dearest friends. So Sharon, today we ladies here at Orangeville Baptist would just like to say thank you for loving us so well. Uh, we look forward to continuing to serve our Lord alongside you here at Orangeville Baptist Church as long as he allows. And um, 
This time, several of the ladies here have made some cards just for you. So enjoy reading them and know that we love you and appreciate you. Well, my wife always makes everything very official and, and does things very seriously, so I have to counteract that at least a little bit when I come up to speak. So, um, first of all, I want to thank everybody for coming today. It's great to see this many people here. Um, so what I would like is for everybody to take and collectively use your imagination with me for just a moment. And this tent just became a giant time machine. And we are traveling back to the year 1982. And just so you know, now as we, we start walking around and we look around at the, the surroundings that we have here in 1982, things are a little different than they are here today in 2020. So just so you're aware of what to expect and some of the, uh, some of the things that you'll confront or will be confronting you. This year, the Weather Channel airs on TV, cable TV for the very first time. Walt Disney World opens its brand new theme park, Epcot, for the first time. Graceland, home of the late Elvis Presley, opens for public tours for the first time. And in a, a great electronic innovation, in the nation of Japan, the very first CD player is sold. The first issue of USA Today is published. Ronald Reagan is president of the United States. Leonid Brezhnev is leader of the Soviet Union. Not Russia, Soviet Union still. Margaret Thatcher, prime minister of Great Britain. William Milliken, governor of Michigan. On our TVs, Dallas, MASH, and Magnum PI are the most watched television shows. At the movie theater, E.T. and Rocky III are the top grossing films. In the entertainment world, Michael Jackson releases his second solo album, which goes on to become one of the greatest uh, selling albums of all time, Thriller. So that's this year. Andrew Lloyd Webber brings the musical Cats to Broadway for the first time. If we were to go to the post office, the price of a first-class stamp is 20 cents, and you have to lick it to put it on the envelope. <laughs> the average family income is just over $20,000 per year. Average cost of a family home hovers around $60,000. And in this year, uh, bottles of Tylenol are being pulled from the shelves everywhere because several bottles have been found with capsules laced with cyanide. And in, in international news, Argentina invades the Falkland Islands, resulting in a 10-week war between the, the nations of Argentina and Great Britain that cost about a thousand lives. And in the sleepy little community of Gun Lake, Orangeville Baptist Church calls a new young pastor by the name of Dan Bowman. Fast forward back to 2020 with me. According to recent research, the average length of time that a pastor stays with a church is about four years. 
Pastor Dan led this congregation for over 38. Hebrews 13.7 tells us to remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate the faith of your leaders, it says. Well, I think between the years of 1982 and 2020, an unknown number of folks have done just that. Unknown number of folks have come through the doors of this building and in the early years, of course, the old building. And every single one of them undeniably heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ being spoken by Pastor Dan from the pulpit. In all of his dealings with anybody, Pastor Dan has always shown his unwavering love for Christ and for the word of God. I have had the privilege of, of serving here uh, in this church in several capacities for many years under Pastor Dan's guidance. And I consider it to been, have been an honor to do so. Dixon Host, uh, the one-time director of China Inland Mission, is known to have said, the best test of whether one is qualified to lead is to find out whether anyone is following. Without question, for 38 years, it's been very much evident that people here were indeed following. Albert Einstein once said, setting an example is not the main means of influencing others. It's the only means. Pastor Dan has certainly set that example just based on looking at the number of those of us that are gathered here today. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the, the Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. A number of families from this church in just the past couple of decades that I know about have done just that. They imitated Pastor Dan as he imitated Christ and went into vocational ministry under his leadership. At one time or another, uh, these families uh, have come out of this church into full-time vocational ministry. Now, not all are still in ministry, but have at least come from here. And these are, again, just a few, and I know I will probably miss some, but Tom and Nancy Goodrow, Al and Missy Torres, Chris and Amber Knobloch, Mike and Leanne Fritz, Michael and Tessa Kirkerow, Greg and Emily Rincon, Autumn and Antonio Rincon, Davis and Amanda Moore, and of course, my wife Christy and I. Now, forgive me if I've left anyone out, and I'm sure I have. Um, that, that list is probably considerably longer. <laughs> but add to those names the dozens of students that went from here to the Word of Life Bible Institute or received degrees from a host of different Christian colleges from around the country. Add to that the scores of families that have sat under Pastor Dan's teaching for the past four decades and have changed their lives to seek to be more like Christ. Well, 19 years ago this month, my family and I began attending here at Orangeville. And I will never forget the first time that we were invited over to the Bowman home so that our families could get acquainted. And Pastor Dan knows exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> now, as is usual... It didn't take long, and Sharon had the water balloons going. But as if that wasn't enough water flowing in the yard that day, 
these two young ladies right over here, Hannah and Rachel, they were preteens at the time, decided that it would be much more fun than water balloons to chase the new guy around the yard with a garden hose on full tilt. <laughs> well, despite that particular welcome wagon experience, we did join the fellowship here at Orangeville, and we don't regret it. Well, shortly after that, just a few years later, Pastor Dan was very influential in me entering vocational ministry. Very early on, he warned me that ministry life can be a very lonely one, and if I could see myself doing anything else, then that something else is what I should do. He said, in ministry, there are no backup plans. He told me that when God calls you to serve him vocationally, nothing else ever measures up, and you just can't picture yourself doing anything else. And he was absolutely right. Pastor Dan was probably my loudest cheerleader as my wife and I hit the deputation trail raising ministry support and has continued to be that to this day. I suspect that most any of the other families that God has called into ministry from this church would echo pretty much the same sentiment. Well, how do you summarize 38 years of faithful ministry here at Orangeville? I think the missionary William Borden's words are probably the most fitting. He's known for his... Uh, slogan of no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. Pastor Dan has never shied away from proclaiming the gospel. No reserves. He's always stood up against any type of false teaching. No retreats. And he has served here faithfully for nearly four decades. No regrets. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for 38 wonderful years here. And, and May God use this time of retreading, as you have always said, uh, as you begin to focus on whatever ministry he calls you to do moving forward. So again, thank you.
Steve and Trish and here today, and they mean a lot to Orangeville Baptist Church. And so, uh, Pastor Steve. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got ready. All right, well, good morning. It, uh, my name is Steve Wicker, and I served here from 1997 to 2006. And I first met Pastor Dan 23 years ago, and the 23 years ago we met at the Steak and Shake in Lebanon. Um, he had uh, received my resume from a mutual friend named Randy Patton, and the church had been blessed, and the, God was doing a lot of neat things at the church, and so they were looking for someone to serve as a pastor of youth and Christian education. And uh, I came with a very highly qualified ministry resume. I uh, graduated from Purdue University with a degree in agribusiness management. Uh, been saved about five or six years and uh, was serving in a church or just working in the youth ministry of Word of Life at uh, Grace Baptist Church in Lebanon, Indiana. I was selling fertilizer and seed to farmers. And, um, but God was at work in us uh, through that ministry, through Word of Life. And uh, Pastor Dan, uh, received my resume and gave me a call and so we met and uh, we met and after uh, after we met uh, God was clearly in the details of all that happened and so we ended up here uh, when we got here um, their kids were all quite a bit younger and um, just for each one of the kids I remember I remember Sarah was a uh, she, she, I think a freshman or sophomore in high school she's had her eyes on Cedarville University at the time I mean that's her fix was that she was heading to Cedarville and um, I remember um, Hannah loved uh, horses and acted like a dog often. And, uh, <laughs> yep. And um, Rachel, first time I sit at the house with them, um, she's, I think, like second grade, just looking at me and says, how do you get your head so shiny? <laughs> and uh, so remember that well. I thought Sharon was going to die at that point, the first time we'd ever met. And... Um, the thing I remember most about Renee is the time we left her at a rest stop on the way back from Word of Life. But we got her back, and um, so she was safe. But I appreciated having the overlap of uh, ministry and time with the family um, over these years. Oh, yeah, Tim. I remember about Tim. So we showed up, and Tim loved to mow. I mean, he still, I guess he kind of still likes that stuff, and, uh, but has other people mowing. But he would not mow or he would love it. I mean, I think the movie Forrest Gump and Forrest Mowing. That's Tim when he was little and uh, loved the mow. And then he got a go-kart, and that was, uh, and that was pretty awesome, and driving that all across the street. And um, so, so seeing that, so we came, and um, you know, ministry is brand new to us. You know, in terms of vocational ministry, what is it all about? What does it look like? And, um, and I had a great example. As I think about, um, I knew I was getting emotional <laughs> uh, because I look around this room and I think about just all the things God's done uh, in our life um, while we were here and then continuing and how God just invested in a significant way and Pastor Dan taking a risk on a guy that <laughs> didn't know anything. <laughs> and um, so I appreciate uh, the work that he has done. And so I want to spend a few minutes, um, so we were here nine years, and I want to spend a few minutes looking at the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, the first few verses, and walking through how I see the characteristics of Pastor Dan over the years in this passage. The passage says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. 
Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So as I think about that passage, it just begins by saying, shepherd the flock, uh, which means lead the flock, lead them, feed them, love them, care for them. And Pastor Dan has done that in an exemplary way. As you think about shepherding the flock that is among you, one of the things that always encouraged me about Pastor Dan all through his ministry is he, this is where he was. This was his ministry. This was his church family. And he shepherded the flock that was here. And when we moved to Indiana 14 years ago, um, I encouraged the church family. I written, wrote down this passage, and I remember sharing it in the uh, auditorium, and it said this, Philippians 1.27, Only let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And as we left, that was my hope. And as I come back, I'm thankful that that's been the reality. To be able to see that the church, through certainly ups and downs and joys and hurts and challenges and opportunities and all the things that come with life, and as we think about ministry and the difficulties and all the different seasons of it, the Pastor Dan has shepherded the flock faithfully. And so this church family, and those of you who are still here, you have so much to be grateful for in terms of being shepherded well. The passage goes on and says, talks about exercising oversight. The idea with that is managing the church, overseeing the work. And to think about the ministry of Pastor Dan's life, and as um, shared earlier about when he came here, that this, there was almost nothing here. I mean, there was, uh, it was a very meager, meager work. And over this time, and I think about where the church is now, and as I hear about what's going on here, it is a joy to hear that there are equipped leaders, that there are a multitude of faithful servants. Your facility is wonderful. And the reputation that Orangeville Baptist Church has in this community is exemplary. And that's because you've had a faithful shepherd for over 38 years. Exercising oversight. It's amazing when I consider is, you know, what was here and what's here now. The ministry that was handed to Pastor Dan and the ministry that it is now is he's handed it off to Pastor Andrew. And to think about the work that God has done, it's amazing. It's wonderful. The passage goes on. It says, not under compulsion, but willingly. And this idea of serving willingly, that God's call to follow him, the call to follow God is not simply a call to continual sunshine and smiles. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful. That there are difficult times. And the call to follow Christ is a call to die to ourselves. God doesn't promise us that we would follow him. Our days will be easier, but they will be brighter. And as we follow him and watch him, that he works in us. And I think about this idea of being wi willingly. Pastor Dan, for many years, um, in his office at 645, I think it was Tuesday mornings, that uh, would have prayer. And um, every Tuesday morning, he was there. I remember Matt Hunt being there almost every morning. I remember uh, even when I'd have class, I'd, I'd have class, or when the kids were little, I couldn't be there on some Tuesday mornings. He was always there. And uh, whether anybody was there or not, he was faithful. Eagerly serving, eagerly willing, and we eagerly praying for the church. Praying for the flock, 
and praying for the work of the ministry. The next thing the passage talks about, as God would have you, that you're serving eagerly as God would have you. And if you think about this, the nature of ministry, the ministry that God calls us to is a ministry of the Word, a, a ministry that is focused on the Word of God. And if you've been here at any time at all, for any season, there is no question about Pastor Dan's commitment and confidence in the Word of God. That has been the hallmark of his ministry through ups and downs and through good seasons and rough seasons. It's been the faithful proclamation of God's word. And the faithfulness being there has kept him, him faithful for many, many years. The passage then says, not for shameful gain. Not for shameful gain. Not for money. Not for other things. And when I arrived, when I came to, uh, actually I was interviewing and Tricia was across the street pregnant with our twins and, and uh, I sat in the office, in Pastor Dan's office with uh, Pastor Dan and Tom Goodrow and Chuck Shields and uh, they'd talked about calling me to the church and they were talking about how much they were going to pay me and uh, it wasn't much <laughs> and um, that's another story but, but the thing that was interesting to me is they said this is what we can do. And um, we hope that we can, um, you know, be able to increase this over the years. And, and they did. But one of the things that struck me is how the leadership at that time also, because they began asking around about how much pastors make, how much they should be paid, and began the realization that Pastor Dan was being grossly underpaid. And, and so they got on it. So they started working on that, started to address that. But, but what stands out to me is that what got their attention was not because Pastor Dan said anything about it. He was faithfully serving. That wasn't his focus. He was serving the Lord. Uh, not for shameful gain. As we think about this shameful game as well, shameful gain, the pastor Dan was not, did not serve. He does not serve for the applause of others, the approval of others, but his desire is to seek and to serve the Lord. The pastor talks about serving eagerly as an overflow of the love for God and others, not domineering over those who are under your charge. And I think about that phrase, under your charge, well, that was me for nine years directly. You know, under, that was, I was um, his associate pastor, and he was leading me through that. And, and I think about that idea that this, not domineering, but I think of the idea of being patient. Um, pastor Dan was patient with me. We had a deacon's meeting one night, and um, they're talk, the guys were talking about the insurance, and they, had, they said, you know, we have been so fortunate. We have never had an accident with any of these vans. And it was like two weeks later, I hit a deer over here on Keller and um, didn't say a word about him, just patient with me. He was patient when I ran out of gas with a group of teenagers on the way to Word Life Island, um, upstate New York. He didn't say a word about it. Um, I'm not sure he needed to because when I got back, the, you all gave me a gas can to, so I remember. And, <laughs> And I think it was that, okay, lesson learned, don't do that again, right? And, but just being very patient and allowing, allowing me to grow and make mistakes and bring me along and, and um, not domineering, humble and patient. Um, remember the commitment to the pastor's fellowship over the years and recognizing that he's not doing this all alone that there are other brothers, other men who are in ministry walking together through that month in, month out, studying different things, praying together, talking about ministry, encouraging each other, and those are the kind of things that have kept him strong all those years. So we think about not domineering. I also think about the idea of just how ministry needs to be patient and humble. So we think about humility and patience. I heard a, I have a friend in ministry who said this recently. He said, if you want to go, if you want to, you can go fast to grow wide, but you have to go slow to grow deep. 
And it's really, Minigoy is just a difference between mushrooms and oak trees, right? I mean, mushrooms, how quickly do they grow up? Fast, right? And they cover your whole yard just like overnight. But what's it take to get rid of them? I mean, you just like flick them and they just fall over, right? But an oak tree takes a long time, lots of years, for the roots to go down, for the height to get strong, and it endures. That kind of ministry, that kind of life endures. And that was Pastor Dan's investment, to be patient, to be willing to... I think about examples of this. In Deacon's meeting, there are times when... Um, I think about his wisdom in being patient. Because there are times whenever I'm like, okay, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm the associate guy. I'm, like, I'm ready to move on stuff. Let's get stuff happening. And very wisely, say, let's say in a couple different meetings oftentimes, why don't we table this for another month and talk about it? But just the wisdom and what that wisdom created was a good unity amongst the group. And so that because as leaders, we're thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And we have all these ideas. And so we share it with everybody. And we think, well, everybody ought to get on board. I mean, it's clear as can be in our mind, but they're just finding out about it. And just the patience and the wisdom that he has to, uh, had to uh, be patient to walk through that. The passage continues, says, being an example to the flock. Being an example. Example what it looks like to be a shepherd who loves God, who loves his word, who loves the church, who loves his people, and loves his family. And so we think about these examples and all this passage, and the passage ends by having, conducting that kind of ministry, and it concludes by saying, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This idea of receiving an unfading crown of glory, that's our promise. You know, the focus is to please the Lord, and it's, th- it's a joy to have served with Pastor Dan and continue to watch him from a distance, to have his eyes on seeking to please the Lord and recognizing that what matters most is God's approval, and not the approval of others, not the approval of, of, of the community, but the approval of God. And so as we consider this passage, it says this, that we, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, one of the things we realize is Pastor Dan's not dead, right? This isn't his funeral, and we're not talking about him in past tense, right? And so I am looking forward to continuing to learn from you at a distance. And to watch as you transition to a new stage of life to see what does faithfulness look like? What does faithful ministry look like in a new season of life? And eager to see how God's going to continue to use them for his glory and for his kingdom. And so thank you very much, Pastor Dan. Let's give him a round of applause. Well, this time, Pastor Dan is going to come and share a few thoughts, and then after that, Kevin Madison is going to come and give some instructions about lunch. Well, we are so blessed to have you here. Sharon and I, are, our hearts are just overflowing with uh, appreciation and joy, and uh, we're just thankful for our family. We miss Sarah. I think we're live streaming. I hope she's watching out there in sunny L.A., you know. She's had triple digits, and AC went down the other day, and I got that back up fixed. But we miss Sarah not being here, but everybody else here, I believe. Um, we're thankful for our family. Um, we're thankful for all you folks. And uh, we just, all of you have impacted us, Sharon and I, 
uh, in, in different ways. You've influenced us. Think of scripture, talks about as iron sharpens iron. So we sharpen one another from the book of Proverbs. You've all sharpened us. Uh, you've all pushed us closer to Christ. You've all, many of you pushed us to, to seek Christ in newer ways to just to back up and seek God's wisdom on how to minister. And uh, so we're just so appreciative. Again, family, friends from um, Ohio days. I know, is anybody from Indiana? Jim and Barb Stanish were gonna come and she is a principal and she thought she should not leave the state. She's down in Indianapolis area, but I know Cedarville and uh, days and Michigan days. And uh, so we're just very, very appreciative of everybody's here. I just wanna set two thoughts before you um, this morning from the book of Philippians. Uh, the first one, I was reading the book of Philippians here a few weeks ago, and, I, and, and this verse struck me. It's reading a, a different translation than I usually read. And in the verse, the 12th verse of chapter 3, the apostle says this, Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it, the goal. And here's what grabbed me, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. That little statement, I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul's testimony as he gives here in the Philippians chapter three, is that he was going one direction and the Lord intercepted him. You remember there in the book of Acts, God just intercepted him and turned him around. And all these things that Paul was depending upon to get into heaven, he says in this passage, it's all refuse, it's all dung, because Christ got a hold of me. You know, that's, that's my testimony. I'm glad Larry and Sue Zerniak are here this morning. Brother Larry led me to Christ December 20, 1969 there on Sheila Drive in Brownsburg, Indiana, and I'm glad they made the trip up here from, from Cedarville. Uh, Hoosiers at heart yet, right? All right. But I tell you, I was a 14-year-old young man going my own way, uh, going my own direction, had my own path, had my own sight set on what I wanted to do, and Jesus Christ, if I can borrow this expression, Christ took hold of me. Christ apprehended me. Christ intercepted me. Jesus Christ caught me. He sees me, right? And uh, the Bible calls it regeneration, to be born again. He radically turned my life around. That was a start point from the inside out. God changed me, and now new heart, new direction, new desires. You see, before I knew the Lord, the Bible very clearly paints here my own testimony. I was dead in trespasses and sins, the book of Ephesians says. I was walking according to the ruler who exercises authority over the heavens. I was living my own fleshly desires. I was carrying out the inclinations of my own heart and thoughts. And I was under God's holy wrath. I was, I was without Christ. I was excluded from the citizenship of Israel. I was a foreigner to God. I was without hope. I was without God. My thinking was full of was, was nonsense. My moral heart was darkened. I was a slave to sin. I was alienated from the Lord. I was a pretty good kid on the outside, but this is who I was. Suppressing the truth, not glorifying God, actively worshiping the creation and not the creator, claiming to be wise as Romans says, but not a fool really. I was not righteous. I was not seeking Christ. I was guilty. My mouth was stopped if I stood before the Lord was not a single thing I could have said to gain entrance to heaven in my own self. But then, as this verse says, I've been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. And God intercepted me, he apprehended me on that day. 
and I began to grow in Christ. And now, and since that point, I've passed from darkness to light. I was declared righteous in God's sight. I was, I, I was set apart unto God. I was looking forward to, to heaven and adopted into his family and forgiven and cleansed. Now I was in the family, right? Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm in the light. I'm set free from slavery to sin to slavery to Jesus Christ. And so that was a revolutionary point. And that verse just leaped off the page the other day. I've been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. And because of that, because Christ took hold of me, I can echo with Paul, because of that, because Christ has taken hold of me, the first part of that verse says, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it, right? And then he goes on, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised me by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul did not pursue Christ in order to gain Christ's favor. He pursued Christ because he'd already been taken hold of by Christ because he was already in the family. So I just share that testimony in here this morning that we cannot work our way to heaven. We can't gain heaven by our own efforts, by our own labor, by being good, by, by trying to chalk up on this side good works. We think our good works. We must receive Christ, the righteousness of Christ, credited to our account. That's Paul's testimony. That's my testimony. That God took hold of my life. Christ took hold of my life. Revolutionized my life. Illustration is there of a runner, and that's what I want to keep doing, running after Christ, pursuing after Christ. Not haphazardly, not half-heartedly, not kind of lackadaisical, not like if I just happen to have time. We're looking forward, again, to this new chapter. Uh, we're going to leave God willing tomorrow afternoon. Sharon's always wanted to go to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. Now, you know out there, uh, not too many days ago, it was triple digits, and then they got dumped on with snow, and then it's back up in the 80s. So I don't know where we're going to find, uh, but we've always wanted to go there, and so God willing, we're going to go out there. If it gets cold, we'll go down a lower elevation. Uh, but we're looking forward. We've already preached uh, a couple times in the month of August. Uh, churches, interpass ministry, we'd love to get involved in that, helping churches without pastors. I know Ken Floyd's got his ears perked up there, but we'd love to work alongside Ken, and appreciate Ken and Sharon being here to dare today as well. Um, so that's the first thought. The second thought is this. First of all, my testimony and then my prayer. It's 127. Pastor Steve just read that, Philippians 127. But this, in this version, when I was reading it, it said just one thing. And I said, just one thing. What's the one thing? It's kind of like a summary statement. Just one thing, Paul says. I better listen. Listen up. Just one thing. Here's the one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so my prayer for all of you here, first of that you've come to know Christ and then that you'd live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. It's all about Christ. It's all about the gospel. We think sometimes the gospel is, well, that was back in the day when I got saved, future in heaven. How about today as well? In our lives, in our marriages, in our churches, in our community, it's all about Christ. It's all about the gospel. Our world is absolutely coming apart right now and at the heart is people need to know Christ, welcome Christ in their life. And when you come to know Christ, you love each other. You care for one another. And so my prayer 
for Orangeville Baptist Church. Just one thing. Here it is. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind working, listen to this, side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. And then it says not being frightened in any way by your opponents. Regardless of what takes place, continue to work side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. That's the one thing. That's my prayer. That's my desire for this church, that whether I come here, whether I'm absent, that I would continue to hear the fact that this church is linking arms and chasing after Jesus Christ and loving Christ and loving people, right? Because that's what's going to count. That's the only thing that matters, right? It's the only thing that really, really matters. So we love you. We thank you for your impact in our lives. Don't, I just wish we could bottle each of you up for like 30 minutes and talk with you. You know, so feel, you know, we're still going to live across the street. We're not moving to Alaska that we know of, you know, right away or something. Or Hawaii. Hawaii, sharing like Hawaii when we visited there once. Uh, but we'd love to see you. We're still here. We had, we had a young couple drop. Jamie dropped by the other day, Tom and Nancy. You know, that we had a great time with Jamie and Haley and chatted out there and young couple. So uh, that, was, that was good. So. Thank you very, very much. We love you. I got to tell you one small joke real fast. You know why, you know why they called, us, well, called me to Orangeville? It's because this church needed a pianist. And so <laughs> that's why we came to Orangeville. So. Pastor never misses a chance to preach the word. And I tell you, we love him for that. I was walking up here and I stood on this platform. I tested it before I got up here today because I didn't know if I ate too much chicken skin or not. Uh, There's a story behind that. Pastor Dan came through snowstorms and all this stuff. We finally got him here. Come summertime, I always like to go canoeing. Always took canoe trips. Pastor loves the outdoors. Everybody knows he loves the outdoors. So one day, we're going we're gonna to spend the night. We went up to Pier Marquette River, and just him and I, and uh, getting to know each other a little bit better, and um, spent the night... We did a nice day of canoeing. We're uh, cooking. We're grilling food. And we, we're grilling chicken. And next thing I know, he's undressing that chicken, and he's taking the skin off. And I says, what are you taking the skin off from that chicken for? He says, something like, my wife won't let me eat it. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if that's the case. So I said, well... You're going to eat a naked chicken. I said, I've never eaten a naked chicken. So anyway, as you can tell, I've eaten all the chicken skin. And Pastor's eaten all the naked chickens. And he's a lot thinner. And I just wanted to make sure that this thing here was uh, enough to do that. But uh, anyway, that was just a little... Um, as long as I'm talking about canoeing, 
summer, the first time that Sharon, I think, ever went canoeing in her life. You know, I've been going canoeing with young people for many, many years before that, and some since that. And I always figure, you know, yeah, they're going to wear tennis shoes, they're going to wear shorts, they're going to, they're going to, you know, dress appropriately for to go canoeing. And we're up there. Next thing I know, here comes Sharon to get in the canoe. She's got tennis shoes on. She's got socks on. She's got her jeans on. She's got a long sleeve shirt on, and she's got a Mae West life jacket on. <laughs> and she's she's walking out, and she can't even hardly move. And and she goes around to get into the canoe, and I figure, okay, she's going to sit in the seat. Oh no, not Sharon. She sits right flat down on the floor. And I said, how are you going to paddle from down there? Well, he's going to paddle. So, so that was my first experience with Sharon in a canoe. So that was, that was interesting. Um, but what I'd like to do at this time is I love our pastor. I love Pastor Dan. I love Sharon. And there's no doubt that they, I have been privileged and honored, my wife and I and my family, to sit under your ministry. I just, I can't say enough about it. Pastor Dan is faithful. Never find another pastor more faithful than Pastor Dan and Sharon. They might be as faithful, but they'll never be more faithful, and I thank you for that. Um, 1982, through snowstorms, through everything, they came. I would like everybody that was here when Pastor Dan first came, if they would stand up. See? That, all right, well, you know, you know, you know, um, 38 years is a long time. We've lost a lot of great saints through those years. And I, you see the small group that was able to stand up. But then I look, you look at all these pictures. And you look at the ministry that this man has had. And through all the families that he has been a testimony and a witness to. And it's fantastic. And, um, but anyway, when I get, well, I'll pray first. I just want to, uh, everyone to know that we are so grateful and praise the Lord to have such a blessing as a pastor and pastor's wife uh, over the years. Let's pray a minute. Our loving Heavenly Father, we do come to Thee with such thankful hearts. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your love, for Your mercy, for Your goodness. Lord, we thank You for this day that we can honor Pastor Dan and Sharon at this time. Lord, we thank you for their ministry here. 
Lord, we pray that it'll just the ministry will just keep on ministering, and that him and Sharon can still continue to minister here at Orangeville Baptist. Lord, we thank you for the ones that have showed up today. Lord, we thank you for the ones in his life that have brought him to the, this far. Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, for what you've done for us, for the great salvation that only comes through the shed blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you at this time. We praise you. We thank you for this day. Pray that it will continue, we will continue to honor and glorify you and all that we do and say. And Lord, we thank you for the food that we're about to partake. We thank you for the ladies that have prepared it, for the ones that put it on. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy again. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right, at this time, I've been given instructions. And uh, I hear chatter in the background. Um, let's see. We're going to dismiss Pastor and Sharon and your family. And we're going to ask you that you would go up and uh, get your meal and then come back. Um, and then at, at that time, uh, Bill Boyle is going to uh, facilitate a, um, a open mic. So if you want to say something, um, come on up and... Uh, you know, talk about Pastor, tell him, I mean, he's got some horror stories out there, I'm sure, in there. Great stories, great blessings. Uh, and then, uh, when you, when you uh, Wes Visser, I believe, is going to then dismiss different tables to go up and eat. And we just ask that maybe not everybody be hollering and yelling and stuff all at the same time. So, if the people are up at the mic, everybody be able to hear them. Okay, and the ladies are going to serve you uh, because of the pandemic. That oh, did I say that? Well, because of the pandemic, the ladies are going to serve you, uh, and you can go back for seconds and thirds because there's going to be lots of food. And uh, so, Pastor, if you want to take your family and uh, help yourself. Hey, Renee, did I do it right? All right. Hello out there. Can you guys hear me? No. No. Now you can hear me. All right, so um, we are going to start the open mic, and we have a couple guys who uh, want to go to. And I'm actually, instead of coming up, I'm just going to come to you. If you want to speak, I'll bring the mic to you. Um, as for me, I just want to say a couple things. As a, I'm sure that the Bowman kids are wondering what I'm going to say about them today, because uh, I know they've caught, caught a lot of stuff with the folks. But I'm going to start with, I think, Steve Holman? Okay. Get over to here so I can look Dan in the eye. Okay. I've known you since 1973 when we were freshmen together at Cedarville University. You're one of a I spent eight years in school with, including our time at the Grand Rapids Baptist Seminary. We never ministered together on a daily or weekly basis, 
but I've been close enough to observe some things about your ministry at Orangeville Baptist. So I want to go on record. Very few men stay in one place for their entire career of ministry, but you did. There were other opportunities along the way, but in obedience to God's calling and direction on your life, you stuck it out where God put you. And he gave you an opportunity to see two generations come and go in a local church and to influence five generations. Few of us in ministry get to do that. But there had to be times when you wondered what God was doing and why you were called to stay there. There had to be times when God seemed to move rapidly and other times when you wondered whether he was moving at all. But you are a man of faith demonstrating what it means to trust God over the long haul and what it means to believe in the power of the simple and basic stuff of ministry, faithful exposition of the Word of God, persistent follow-up on people and their spiritual needs, positivity, love and grace for those who may not always be easy to love, discipline of the mind and the heart to grow in your understanding of the Word of God and the times in which we live. Added to this, you developed the skills of strategic thinking and faith and courage to try something new. Dan, you are not famous. I hope this doesn't come as a crushing blow. <laughs> we have classmates who are nationally known, but you and I are not among them. You're just the guy from Brownsburg, Indiana, who achieved the rank of Eagle Scout. You were born a Hoosier, and you remain a Hoosier in your heart to this day. But while Brownsburg may not remember you, Plainwell Township, Orangeville will not forget you. This is because of your long-term leadership in Orangeville Baptist and your spiritual impact on the larger community. Few have had such an impact. That means weddings you performed, funerals you led, sometimes for people you hardly even knew. Countless trips to hospital rooms in Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo. Deathbeds you attended to. New babies you held. It meant at times you agonized over a sermon, thinking of particular people who needed to hear it, but then they didn't show up when you preached it. It's meant countless times of prayer about all kinds of crises, physical, spiritual, emotional. It meant weeks that did not go at all as you planned, but you're able to look back and see God powerfully in work in ways you had not expected or even asked Him for. As the Apostle Paul said, who is sufficient for these things? 2 Corinthians 2.16 There were times when God the Spirit gave you just the right words and other times when you didn't have words. But the people of Orangeville knew you cared. There were people into whom you invested countless ministry hours only to see them turn away from the things of God. There are others whom your words and life profoundly impacted, but you were unaware of what God was doing in their life at the time. You know that you only see that if you stay around. What is a ministry of 38 years in one place worth? It is worth serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but we won't know the score until eternity. It is good that God's ways are higher than ours. If you're like me, you just want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, Luke 19, 17. But we're human, 
and it's encouraging to know what difference we have made. We are promised that God's word, once it goes out, will accomplish God's purposes, Isaiah 55, 11. But sometimes it's good to know in real time that we've made a difference. Think about this. Those who are led to Christ because you witnessed it unfaithfully. Think about those who went from spiritual babies to being spiritual leaders because you invested time to teach and mentor them and model your walk with the Savior. Think about those you had to confront because they were making sinful choices and heading in some kind of destruction. Think of those who listened to you and their lives were changed because you walked beside them and helped them make godly choices and develop godly habits. Others, when confronted, only became angry and turned on you and walked away from the things of God. Sounds depressing. But think of all the godly people at Orangeville who walked with you and served beside you in this ministry journey. Some of them are in heaven now. Others will carry on faithfully at Orangeville for years to come, unless the Lord comes back sooner. Now, 20 years from now, if the Lord tarries, that's old preacher lingo there, what will they say about Pastor Dan Bowman? I believe they will say you were steady. Sure, you get excited, you get sad, but you've mastered the disciplines of the Christian life, without which you could not have lasted at Orangeville, or even in the ministry. Dan, you're not a guy who talks about himself, so I will talk about you. Since I first got to know you, I've seen the same person I've always known. As we grow old, Scripture says we're supposed to grow wise. But you had a head start on me there. Twenty years from now, people will say you were wise. They will also say you really knew the Word of God and loved the God of the Word. And you cared about people. You have a curious mind beyond things about the ministry. You have this strange love for camping in the wilderness with a campfire every night. But seriously, you were a student of the Word. They will say you are a gifted and effective preacher and a teacher. How many sermons do you think you preached over 38 years? And yet you kept studying and learning and growing and people kept listening. So the highest award goes to Sharon for listening to your sermons all these years. That's an amazing talent right there. Now a word to Sharon. You probably had the hardest job of all. The confidant, the encourager, the sounding board, the life partner with Dan for all these years. And he is well aware he couldn't have pastored without you. Countless times you've counseled women, prayed with them, fielded their complaints. You lived in the big house across the street. You had the gift of hospitality, an open home, an open heart for the hurting. You used your gifts in many ways. You supported your husband's ministry and had your own. Often things that probably weren't your favorite things to do, but needed to be done. It's true that a pastor's wife is powerful. She can ruin or undermine her husband's effectiveness, or she can enhance it and become the key to any success that God may give. You've been a blessing to Dan and to the church. You raise your five children in the fishbowl of the pastorate, and you survive and even thrive. So where did the time go? Unexpected challenges to enjoy. 
and I commend you both for the gracious way in which you have rele released the ministry that God has given you here. Trusting God to bless and to provide and to work without you in other capable hands. I hope God surprises you with amazing opportunities you never expected to come your way. I pray God gives you good health, body and mind, and many more years of effectiveness. And I pray that you will continue to see lasting spiritual fruit for your labors. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust to overlook, you, overlook your work and the love you've shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. I could say more, but as our dear old Greek professor, Dr. George Lawler, always said, Men, know your endings. That warning always struck fear in my heart. So with that, I close. And ask God to bless you in every way. Wow, what an act of power. <laughs> Pastor Dan, I'm Larry Neal with the Gideons. Yes, sir. Remember. You know, we couldn't let this go by without saying thank you. I didn't think I would get emotional about that. But I, can't, I can't remember how many times you gave your testimony in front of other pastors and, and showed them the way. So on a day like today, uh, we're just thankful that you were uh, a part of our, our story. And as a matter of fact, uh, we Gideons are, are, are kind of trembling right now because down here in Orangeville, uh, you're taking your lead. And, and this month up in Nashville, uh, Pastor DeGroote is having a celebration of 60 years in the, in the past written. And, and he told me the other day, he says, I think they're trying to kick me out. <laughs> but, you know, the, the silence is going to be uh, unbelievable because of you two guys, you know, stepping aside for other people. But anyway, on behalf of the Gideons, you're always welcome in our banquets, and we certainly thank you for all the years that you helped us. Okay, now I'm going to take the mic to Larry Zerniak. Thanks. Dan, uh, I thought of the comments that were made pertaining to your wife and how supportive she's been to you over the years. And uh, I, I just wanted to remind you that when you went on the missions trips with us, that my wife Sue and Jane Cunning and Sharon Raleigh always prepared the meals that you enjoyed. Matter of fact, I, my understanding that you kept asking Sue for T-bone steak, and, and you're still waiting for that T-bone steak. You got the bone. I think they did go to a supermarket and they got a T-bone with no meat on it and presented that to you. So maybe next time we're up here, we'll bring the meat with it. But uh, I had the privilege of being here just after or right before, I can't remember which, you accepted the call to come. We met you up here on a cold winter day at the parsonage across the street that it was in a considerable disarray and uh, you told me all the things that I think the church had promised you they were going to do or you thought you needed to do and uh, we went over to the church building and, and saw the the old building that you would be preaching in we walked over to the creek over here 
And I think in that day there were still some timbers and so on from the grist mill that used to sit there. Uh, next to the house was the staging area for the outdoor drama and maybe the private services that the church had conducted. All those things. And now we come today, and I, when I got out of my car this morning, I walked over there, I could hear the creek and the water's there, and I could still see that there's some semblance of where the grist mill used to be. But uh, what a privilege to see. And then, then we went to a restaurant uh, that was open, and uh, it was the dead of winter, it was cold. I don't think there was anybody in the restaurant, but you and Sharon and Sue and I, and I thought to myself, Self, where is Dan going? There are no people who live around here. Uh, what's he going to do? Who's he going to preach to? Uh, that was our introduction and prompted us to pray much for you over the years that God would bless and use you here. And he certainly has. I mentioned the, the missions trips and the experiences that we had in Appleton, Wisconsin. If you remember, the church builders were building a new roof, but it wasn't complete. And so we slept in the auditorium with no roof overhead. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, the missionary builders came and they started pounding on the roof, so we never slept in. Uh, when we went on those trips, I used to carry the money to buy the food and gas and so on in cash. And so I was sleeping on a cot under this roof with the money under a pillow and a loaded revolver that Don Raleigh brought along just in case somebody tried to rob us of the money during the night. And then across the field, you remember that there was another church that was having a festival. They had carnival rides. And they had a beer truck pulled up right there. And so while we were conducting vacation Bible school in a tent, not quite as big as this, I don't think. And in the evening, we're listening to Fred Barlow preach evangelistic messages. The folks across the way were riding carnival rides and drinking beer. What an experience. In Romney, West Virginia, the opportunity to work with Ron Weber, who's been since that point in time a lifelong friend of yours, and I suspect your church has been involved in supporting Ron? You, you never did. Uh, what an impact he had upon your life. And of course, the, the privilege prior to all of that to sit down in your bedroom, I think it was, and to open the Gideon New Testament that you had with you and to point you to Christ and then to listen as you prayed and receive the Lord as your Savior. What a, what a blessed day. I have just a couple of thoughts. I've heard many, many years ago, someone once say, few men run well to the end. We've already understood this isn't the end. This, this is a point of beginning for you and for Sharon to find out what God has for you. But we commend you and thank God that these folks who are here and the things that we've heard already, a great testimony to the way you've with the Lord. Hmm. Then uh, I'll never forget a message that was brought in chapel, a chapel speaker. And in that message, he talked about the importance of being a witness for the Lord, as you've been. I'll leave these words with you and with your friends here today who are part of this church and churches in other parts of the country. The humbleness, the humility that has been spoken about you is well represented in the fellow who once said, I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who will save anybody. 
that's the task of this church, that's our task as believers in Christ. And we're so thankful to be with you today to celebrate what God has been doing and look forward to what he's going to be doing in the days ahead. Thanks. Okay, who, who else wants to speak? Raise your hand, I'll bring it to you. Don't be shy. Um, for me, Pastor Dan, I've had the privilege of sitting under Pastor Dan for, and um, he's, been, he's an amazing, amazing example of a man of God to me and to all of you guys. And um, I love Sharon. Um, she's got a little Holy Spirit in her where she's a, she's a good convictor. Um, and I, I, you know, for us, I can't, I can't count all the times when they would be at something that was important, uh, whether it was a wedding or a graduation or through medical problems we had. Um, I mean, some of you guys, most of you guys who know us know that Morgan had cancer, and one of the, the things that Sharon Bowman did for me that I'll never, ever forget was she made little scripts of verses, and she gave me about a hundred verses and they were encouraging, and I used to take those everywhere, and for years later I would find those, like in pockets and in the car and things like that. So, I mean, she's always been a real blessing um, to the Boyle household for sure. And we've got to know them because, I mean, I, never, I always wondered about pastors because who, who they talk to and stuff. and. Because the Boyles have always been relatively close to their kids, we've got to know Pastor Dan and Sharon as mom and dad and as normal, just normal people who have issues and, and you know, love on their kids and joys and all those different things. And so that's been a huge blessing for Sharon and I also. Um, all right, who else wants to talk? Okay, yeah. Okay. Hi, Dan, Sharon. Um, I just want you to know that we're, <clears throat> we're dearly privileged to be here uh, today and to share this moment uh, in your lives, this really important moment. And uh, Sister Green, we want to thank you for the friendship that we've had with you for many years. We were just reflecting at how many special moments in our lives have you guys showed up for. Um, when we retired uh, two years ago, you came to our retirement party, and I've been traveling to Italy, and uh, that was not just to be at the retirement party, but also to um, help us pack up, and those were some wild couple of weeks as we packed up our house and packed up a container, and, and wow, your help was just uh, beyond uh, description. It was just great, and the emotional help, too, as we were leaving Italy after 35 years uh, to have you there. <clears throat> but I think of uh, other moments. Uh, just recently when we became members of another church, <laughs> um, you were there. You showed up with us and, and celebrated that with us. And what was the other one? Cindy's graduation from Cornerstone. You were there to share that with us. You were there when our daughter Stephanie got married. Uh, South Haven, and there was numerous other times, we'll just say that, we've um, been good friends 
we um, got to know you uh, just, I think, as you were starting to uh, starting your ministry here, or maybe shortly after, and um, we came not really knowing the church all that well, but um, the Lord uh, moved this church and you folks to support us in our ministry, and that's gone on this whole time, all the years that we've been in Italy, and we appreciate that. So we just want to thank you for a lifetime of, of getting to know you and, and um, the friendship that we've had. And God bless you as you retire, put those new tires on, and uh, go down the road for uh, another long way. Thank you. God bless you both. All right, who else? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. <laughs> Anybody else? I know that once again the Bowman kids are wondering what I might say to them, um, but we're not going to we're not do that today. We want to bear share the work, Pastor Dan. Anybody else? What's that? I don't know. I didn't. Oh, you have something to say? All right. So you raised your hand. So the couple of things I wanted to share, one is I have a terrible memory and I have always appreciated how much of my life Pastor Dan remembers that I don't. And the truth is that makes a person feel valuable, you know, very much so. And the other thing that just sticks out to me is when, when Larry had his cancer, Pastor Dan and Sharon were there the entire day, from start to stop, and it was a long day. Um, and, and that takes a lot of time out of their life, and I greatly appreciate that. And then a few days later, he ended up back in the emergency room, and like, poof, like magic out of a genie thing, Pastor Dan is just suddenly there. And again, it's taking 5, 10, 15 minutes with us, but when you think about the fact that we live so far away, that that 5, 10, or 15 minutes that he came up to Grand Rapids to sit with us when we were in our little mini crisis moment meant, you know, several hours out of his day, really, by the time you drive and park and get there. And I've just always been appreciative of that. And the other thing I would um, like to say is just about Sharon. Just she and I, over the past few years, have just been able to cry over some things together. And just to be able to share that um, and for her to be transparent and, and open with her struggles as well. It's unappreciated, so thank you very much. All right, Kevin wants to talk again. <laughs> this could take all night, but it's not good. But we got loud. Uh, when Pastor first came, he came from a cornfield. And I think his church was surrounded by corn, something he had. He knew nothing about lakes. People did at lakes. And he had a conviction that boys should not swim with girls. Well, they might not pick corn with girls, but boys and girls swim together. And so, and, uh, so he, he was kind of convicted. And from his church, I think it was Bethesda, they had a smite team. And that smite team came here. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I own a marina, <laughs> and we said, hey, let's go for a boat ride. You guys want to go for a boat ride? You guys want to go swimming? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. All the kids wanted to go swimming. I don't know about the leaders, what they thought. But, so, the leader said, all right, guys, guys, you swim on this side of the dock. Girls, you swim on this side of the dock. The leaders didn't realize there was the end of a dock out there. And they went just like this. And I probably was... Uh, I don't know, maybe it was my fault that uh, the kids were swimming together. But I think they all had a good time. But I just remember when he first came, I said, Hey, everywhere you look in Barry County, there's a lake. And girls are going to be swimming with guys, so you got to get over that one. <laughs> I've been coming here from since 1985, right, Pastor? <laughs> You're the one that knows. Oh, thank you. And um, I'm so thankful Pastor Dan and Sharon came up our driveway one day. <laughs> it changed her life. <laughs> and how surprised I was raising our children when one of them said one day, well, we've always been in a Christian home. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Dan. <laughs> because I was learning right along with them. I remember Sharon asking me to teach nursery. And I thought, I can't teach nursery. I went in and sat with her, and these kids are running all around, and they're not listening. And <laughs> I sat in there for a few weeks, and I realized that... The stories you tell them, the short little stories, they can repeat. Sometimes they go home and tell them. And it's just changed my life. And as I taught, I learned the stories myself, sometimes for the first time. And then uh, Renee um, made me think of the times Pastor Dan comes to the hospital isn't just Grand Rapids or Kalamazoo. My husband had a transplant, and he was there almost before we were, him and Sharon. Not just once, but a couple of times. And um, Pastor Dan was the first one who ever prayed with me over the phone when he called me one time. And the first time that happens to you, it is so humbling. And it just, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but thank you. Thank you, Pastor Dan and Sharon. Oh, and the other one was Sharon. You need to take your kids. You need to sign up. Jess, get them, get them going to Word of Life. And I'm, I'm going, Word of Life, clear up to New York. We have camps here in Michigan. Can't we do a Michigan camp? <laughs> she just kept after me. And praise God, we came up with the money at the time, which was kind of an issue, and um, my children continued to go, and they came back different people in such a good way. So if there's anyone here who's resistant and still has children, boy, you need to get them to camp, I'm telling you. There's nothing like being around God's people who can teach you and help you. 
And I, there's probably a dozen more stories I should tell, but that's what comes to my mind right now. Thank you so much, Mr. Damon Chair. Yeah. Okay, so I'm supposed to announce. I'm pretty glad. I'll be pretty glad when this is over because right now, uh, Ren uh, Renee Kerberos is telling me what to do all day long. <laughs> and I do not appreciate it, but uh, what I'm supposed to tell people is that you can come up and get more food, and they will give you a clean plate if you need a clean plate. I'm not sure why that is, but um, anybody else have something to say? I know a lot of you guys have been impacted greatly. Um, one of the cool things for me about Pastor Dan is watching him grow and change over the years. And it's been, he said one of, the, one of the things that has really stuck with me just recently, because if you've been to Orangeville Baptist Church for a while, there have been a lot of changes over the last couple of years. I mean, I don't know if you guys know that some of you guys know there are drums in there. Drums. <laughs> And so there's been lots of changes. But Pastor Dan got up in front of the church, and he basically said, as he's gotten older, there are some stakes that go deeper. And there are some stakes that come up, they get loosened up, because they're not as important. Doctrine goes deeper, preferences, they start to change. And, they, and it, it, he was just so humble about it. And once again, there's been a lot of ch changes in the last few years at Orangeville Baptist Church, and Pastor Dan has done a, an unbelievable job of, of watching them go and, and caretaking them and loving people. All right, anybody else? Okay, Ken. It's a long walk out back here, Ken. I'll, I'll come here. I'd like to thank Steve Holman because he kind of shared perspective with a lot of us who were in class together with Dan and Sharon at Cedarville. But I do want to give thanks to God for Dan and Sharon. Uh, September 1973 was the first time I met Dan Bowman and Sharon Hopkins. And um, I was a new Christian. I had not been saved a little more than maybe six months at that point. Uh, we became class officers together, and I was planning to go into medicine. And God began to do a work in my heart uh, regarding pastoral ministry. When I dared to share that with the guys in my dorm unit, they all were on the floor laughing. They just thought, there's no way that God could use this, this guy to be a pastor. When I happened to share it with Dan and some others, Dan said, that's great. Why don't you share in our class chapel? which scared me that I guess the most frightened I've ever been to speak in front of the group was to speak in front of our peers. We were just talking here at the table earlier, and we talked about how steady, and in many ways, how what you see in Dan and Sharon today is what they were years ago. They're a very genuine couple. They're a very godly couple. They have been such encouragers to all of us who have known them from those early days to now. Um, Dan, as he talks with me, always talks with me with such great respect. And my feeling always is, Dan, you, you have been so blessed of God with wisdom and understanding and compassion. And we just want to thank you as a couple for the role models that you continue to be to us as your peers. 
We thank God for how God has used you in all times and all seasons. And I am excited to see what God's going to do with you in the next season of your life. I do have, I know God has a plan, and then Ken has a plan in the way that God might uh, use you in other ministries uh, in, the, in the years to come. But Dan and Sharon, for, from Ken and Sharon, we just want to thank you for being godly, faithful examples of Jesus Christ. And we praise God for you today. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, way back here now. Anybody else back here? <laughs> so I was one of those few that have been here since Pastor Cheer started. Um, and there are so many things that I could say, but I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Um, I was raised in the church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was able to raise my kids in this church too under the under Pastor's teaching and sharing. She's been a mentor to me. She taught me piano when I was little. <laughs> um, but there's one, one thing that really stands out. Pastor had a huge impact on my father-in-law. I prayed for him, and a lot of you guys know that I prayed for Rick for years, probably 20 years for his salvation. And Pastor just came alongside, and Rick would come to the things for the little kids, and he would be here, and Pastor would just pull up a chair next to him, and he, he was not raised in the church. He, and Pastor made him feel so comfortable. And so he had a relationship with Pastor. And all of your prayers over the years, one week before Rick died, he said, we were sitting at the kitchen table, and he said, do you think Pastor Dan would do my funeral? And I said, well, of course. But that opened up us talking about salvation, and that night he got saved. Amen. Around the kitchen table, and Pastor Dan, whether he knows it or not, had a huge impact on that. And I will I'll always be so grateful for that. Um... So thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry. I don't want to cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, anybody else? All right, Tom Goodrow. Pastor Dan and Sharon for all their support and spreading us from being church attenders going into the full-time ministry and during our time of Word of Life, how Pastor Dan Warnville prayed for us and so we're so very thankful for that. Amen. I'm short or quick. Maybe now. Way back here now. Kurt says no. Anybody else? There you go, Bill. Oh, Larry. Yeah. Can we get a picture of you doing it? Pastor Dan is here. I don't know. You started. <laughs> Thank you for being the example for my son, Michael. And from my life and 
the confidence you've had in me of being at the fourth stand is humble. Mary Renee and, and for you standing by me and saying I'm a woman, woman, man, when they wanted to make me a deacon and, and the things that in my life with Michael, trying to go with his mom that's going one way in their life and my way and walking the fine line of trying to do I make him go to church every every time the doors are open because his mom's way of life is not the same way. And he came to church and did some things and, and I know that over the years that you were God's hand that touched his life. And I've got to give God the credit, but I know that at some point in time you said something or did something that made him think a little bit deeper about what his life all about and what I watch with him as he's grown and, and become what he went, you know, to be in the Dominican as a missionary and how he looks to you and you baptize him, Mary, and how all the things that I walked that fine line hoping that, that I didn't push him away, that I would hope that you understand how much I'm thankful for all that you've done in my life and been there for me and my family and, and just thank you guys for everything that you've done. Thank you.